0: All right, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of From the Field with the Idaho Wheat Commission. We are joined today by Jali Etienne, Dr. Jali Etienne. She's the Endowed Chair of Risk Management at the University of Idaho. And I will let her introduce herself here in a minute. I just want to, I guess I should introduce myself. I'm Brittany First marchant I am the Executive Director of the Idaho Wheat Commission. And a few years ago in the wheat commission, driven by demand from the wheat industry in Idaho, realized that there was a gap in in the industry that we needed to fill, and that was risk management. Um, We really felt that if People went away to school and studied risk management and came back to the farm. That would be a huge benefit to the um, family-owned operations that make up Idaho's wheat industry. So, in two thousand eighteen, the Idaho Wheat Commission created an endowed um, chair—a two thousand dollars endowment—in where we invested grower dollars to endow a chair position that is actually shared between the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences and the College of Business at the University of Idaho. And Dr. Etienne was chosen to fill that position. So she's joining us today to talk about how you can apply practical risk management skills on the farm to Mitigate risk and increase profitability. So, Shelly, if you would like to just go ahead and introduce yourself, and I will add that this is an open opportunity for anyone to ask questions, so you can just unmute your microphone, you can use the reaction button at the bottom of your screen to raise your hand, or you can type your question into the chat, and we'll make sure that that it gets answered. So without further ado, Xiaoli, go ahead and tell
1: us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, sure. So um, thank you, Brittany, for having me in uh, this episode of From the Field. So I'm very excited to be here and um, share some of my knowledge on commodity risk management with your audience. So um, my name is Charlie Aitian. So currently Associate Professor of Agricultural Economics And also the, uh, we commission, you know, Indow Chair in Commodity Risk Management, um, as Brittany mentioned, with University of Idaho. And I took this position um, almost two years ago. So most of my work is trying to just uh, find ways to help growers and also other market participants to manage the uh, price risk. So again, um, I'm very excited to be here. So um, back to you, Brittany.
0: All right, thank you so much. So, mm-hmm. Shelley, let's start with just the basics. What, what can um, farmers, what do they need to know about risk management? Go ahead and talk to us about how we, um, why that's so important, and what you know the basic steps of that are.
1: Um. Yeah, sure. So um, risk management, right, is a very, very, you know, general term. You have like production risk, you know, legal risk, market risk, you know, all sorts of different type of risk. But here, you know, most of risk we're trying to focus on at least, you know, um, from my perspective or my work is focusing on the market risk. So that you know, involves um, the uh, risk, the price that will move against your uh, operation, right? So for wheat growers, this basically means that the price of wheat might you know, go too low when you are ready to sell your crop. So that's a, you know, um, a big risk you know, for producers um, if they cannot get a price that can cover their production cost. So um, to manage, you know, this type of the risk, right, mostly we will uh, use um, some, you know, instrument, you know, which uh, the basic, the most basic instrument we use is called the futures market, right? So um, Brittany, do you want me to go ahead and explain a little bit about how, uh, the futures market and how that actually works? Yeah, that would be great. Okay, yeah, so um, sure. So um, so the fundamental strategy that you want, if you want to manage your price risk is to um, like look at the futures market. So um, in very simple terms, right? So a futures market, it's like a special marketplace, you know, like growers, uh, merchandisers, exporters, millers, you know, bakers. So they come together and make agreements to buy or sell you know, crops like wheat and also other agricultural products like cattle and milk right so um, for transaction to be occurred at a future time. So these agreements are called you know futures contracts right so uh, let's say um, you want to buy a wheat futures contract for September delivery and if you check the price you know which I think you know this morning it's around, uh, $6.15 per bushel. So if you buy this contract or purchase this contract, so you are essentially um, agreeing to buy wheat in September, you know, at $6.15 per bushel. And you can also sell the same wheat futures contract, which means that you are you know, promising to sell wheat, um, 5000 wheat, you know, in three months, you know, at $7 per bushel. So um, this, you know, is the, uh, um, a key aspect of this, you know, futures trading is that um, all the contracts that we have, you know, very standardized terms. So which, you know, it's basically means that, you know, the uh, futures exchange, you know, um, sets the terms of the agreement, like the uh, quantity, quality, you know, delivery date, and also the location of the delivery, right? So, um, for example, like a Chicago wheat like September um, futures contract, right? So this will entail like five thousand bushels of a um, of soft red winter wheat and to be delivered around um, September twenties, you know, along the Illinois waterway, right? so so this standardization basically makes the market you know very liquid, and everyone can trade the futures contract just like you know, trading stocks like Apple and, or Google stocks. So it's very similar. And um, you can also, you know, if you buy a contract today, you can get all of your obligations. So you don't need to worry that, you know, the wheat shows up at your doorstep in September, right? And you can just uh, offset your position by sell the contract and then you have no obligations. And, um, or, you know, if you actually sold a contract, and then you do not want to deliver this, you know, 5,000 bushels of wheat to um, Illinois Waterway, right? So you can also buy the contract back and then you will have no obligations. So you will uh, make money or lose money based on the uh, um, price, you know, that you buy the contract, uh, you sold the contract and the price you purchase the contract. So it doesn't matter, you know, which order you take, but it's always the price difference that you sold and, um, and the price you paid, that you know, that you know, you can calculate the gains and losses based on that. So that's you know the futures trading, and you know, and that way you know by by using this, you know, utilizing this, you know, futures trading, you can help you know manage the position in your cash market, because for most of growers, right? So you will you know sell your wheat to your local you know elevator. Uh, co-op, but then by utilizing this you no know, trading, and um, recognizing that the price of those futures contract moves, you know, together with the cash price, you can help, you know, using um, uh, you can use this, you know, the futures uh, tools to um, manage your potential price risk in case the price you know, declines or moves against, you know, your operation. So, um, so that's you know just some you know basics of the uh, futures market, which is you know the number one tool that you know most of the people use when they talk about managing the price risk. And um so yeah, so um Surely I can go on
2: futures on futures trading for for those in the industry. do mm-hmm. you, what kinds of questions do they come with? For you, and what kind of resources are you able to provide for them or direct them to?
1: So, um, so for futures, right? So first of all, it's you know, um, it's very you know, standardized, right? So every day we check the prices, and uh, but this price reflects the global market, right? So what's happening to the uh, crop in Australia, in Argentina, and what's the uh, you know uh, situation between the war? In Russia and Ukraine, and also you know the global you know um, demand, but then you know like what really matters you know to the growers you know in the industry is the local cash price. So uh, the local cash price, you know, essentially they move together with the futures price, but then it reflects the local market condition and how it um, deviates compared to the global condition. So um, a lot of times, you know, like, so with the University of Idaho extension, right, so we have, you know, um, like uh, linked, you know, to some of the cash prices, and also the futures prices. And uh, we also, you know, compute the basis, which is another term that I can talk about later, that, you know, really plays a very, very important role in the uh, in how effective your, you know, hedging strategy is. So um, the resources, you know, at UFI that we are still you know, working on developing, but you know, basically we're trying to you know, really um, providing a space that to uh, uh, provide all those information. And if there's no demand, we can you know, also help, you know, um, look into their marketing plan and to help them to uh, um, see, you know, based on the historical evidence, you know, which, you know, um, marketing strategy tends to work the best. And um, in fact, you know, this summer, I'm actually you know, working with a graduate student, trying to look at, you know, based on um, last 20 years, you know, prices, right? So which hedging strategy tends to p- perform the best on average that gives the growers um, the best price that possible. So we will, you know, stay tuned for that part of the results. And hopefully by the end of summer, we will tell you be able to, hey, you know, if you sell, um, 25%, you know, every month from, you know, um, from, you know, February to, uh, um, to April, right? And sell the rest at harvest. This might, you know, give you a very, you know, good price compared to just sell everything at harvest. So we're trying to see, you know, whether this type of uh, um, strategy, you know, work, you know, uh, which one tends to work the best.
0: What is the bottom line advice that you would give to someone? Obviously, there's been a lot of volatility in the markets over the past year since Russia invaded Ukraine. And really, it seems like anytime any major news comes out of that Black Sea region, Mm -hmm. um, the markets adjust for it. So what advice would you give to growers who are, who maybe have bins on farm storage, bins full of wheat that they're waiting to sell until uh, the markets hit the best price available. Is that, is it best to, to just sit it out and wait or should you um, make some contracts at a price that is that is still profitable for you and reasonable
1: and
0: if you miss the high, mm-hmm, that's
1: mm-hmm. just kind of how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, in fact, you know, uh, I just got this, you know, the news, you know, Idaho Grains, you know, this magazine in my, you know, um, mailbox this morning. Uh, I guess I can show here, but the Idaho Grains magazine. I think there's one, you know, grower profile, they mentioned that, you know, every time when they, you know, decide to sell, you know, when they sell the contract next day, the price went up by, you know, 10 or 15, you know, cents per bushel, right? So it's, you know, the bottom line is, you know, it's really hard to predict what the price will be like, you know, in one month, two months, or, you know, it's like, I think, you know, many people say that, like the chance of, you know, successively, you know, predicting the price, Um, in one month, you know, it's pretty much like flipping a coin, right? Just like so many factors that's affecting the prices, right? So we just uh, have this, you know, the dam that's in Ukraine got, you know, uh, destroyed. That's, you know, uh, sending the wheat prices, you know, a bit higher, you know, um, two days ago. And today the price went down a little bit. So the bottom line is, you know, it's really hard to um, know what the price will be um, in a couple of weeks or in a few months. And so as a grower, right, so I think the best strategy is, you know, not trying to trace the highs because you never know, right? So it's really hard. It's easy to look, you know, in hindsight, say, hey, I should have sold here, but then in real time, it's impossible to predict that. So, um, so I think you know the best strategy from a grower's perspective to you know carefully you know calculate the cost of um, storage, and compare that to you know the prices today, and see if you are still you know profitable at the point, and then you can you know make a um, you know series of sales. You don't have to sell everything all at once, because you know um, you no know, you don't. The bottom line is you don't want to you know put all the eggs in one basket right so you want to spread out your sales right so have some you know price target so if you know um for instance today if the price you know hits your target level, and then you can sell a portion of your crops. And then, you know, like, and then you have another, you know, a price target, and maybe a few days later, you know, the price target hit again, and you sell another portion. So in the end, you know, hopefully by using this, you know, um, you know spread uh, selling strategy, which can help you to eventually, you know, reach a price that's, you know, um, that you know, on average, you know, will not you know will cover all your costs at the bare minimum. Will not make you go bankrupt. So and so, this is you know like a way that you know we call you know kind of hedging, right? So, hedging is you know basically trying to protect the bare minimum, not to you know be able to cover you know your your losses, that you know not let you go bankrupt.
2: Shelly, when you when you were talking about the hedging strategy and which strategy you feel like will work best in the next week or two, is there is there a timeline or is is there a time frame or how do you get that out to the industry?
1: Um, so um, so are you referring to the study we are working on that you know when we expect to have a result on that? Right. Or, so um, we collected all the data and. And thanks to my colleague, actually, who is here, I think, you know, Pat Hessenbueller. So we were able to get some, you know, cash prices. And so we are still, you know, trying to refine all the strategies. So we're looking at, you know, the number one, you just sell, the baseline would be just sell everything at harvest. And the second strategy would be just looking at historically, you know, um, when the prices tend to be the highest. And then turns out that, you know, for Idaho, the prices um, the price level, you know, is usually the highest um, between, you know, February and March, okay, so um, for, a, um, you know, a marketing year, so, um, okay. and then we, we try to see, you know, if we can spread all the sales in those four months, you know, like, um, how does this you know compare to a baseline. And then we can also have you know a bunch of other you know strategies to like, sell 10% right in January, another 10% in February, and sell, you know, um, maybe 25% in harvest and compare those you know, across, you know. Um, different strategies. So um, the timeline will be uh, hopefully, you know, by the end of this month, we can have some, you know, preliminary results. And we're also, you know, drafting a um, extension, UFI extension publication based on these results. And um, as soon as we have something, you know, available, we will make sure to uh, share with you guys on the results that we find. And, but of course, you know, um, every year is different, right? So we're only looking at the, um, you know, the average you know, um, overall, you know, which strategy tends to give you the highest no price possible and gives you the lowest no um, variation in the price that you will receive with your crop.
0: What are some of the strategies uh, to manage risk associated with variable input costs as opposed to selling grain in futures markets?
1: Um, so that's, you know, um, I would have to, you know, admit I'm not a, you know, expert in this, right. So I'm less, you know, uh, familiar with the, uh, you know, the, uh, machinery for instance, right. So machinery, I guess, you know, it's very hard, right. So, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of, you know, shortage in the supply chain. You just can't get the parts. And I guess, you know, the situation has improved, but with the, um, uh, machinery, right? So I heard that um, Bill Flory, for instance, he is sharing, you know, the uh, the combine with another, you know, grower, so that can help, you know, uh, reduce your cost. And I guess, you know, with the uh, fertilizer, um, the price has declined quite a bit, but the price of fertilizer was very high last year. So managing the, uh, so for fertilizer, I guess, you know, you can, again, you know, um, I'm not a you know production specialist, but I guess you know you can try to secure your fertilizer not all at once right because you never know um, when the price that you get is the highest or the lowest price. So you try to you know just uh, set a range say hey you know if I can get the fertilizer price at this level, you know, um, I would be happy, right? So once a price you know, hits that target, you secure you know, a portion of your fertilizer. And then maybe there's another target that's lower than your first you know, price target, then you secure um, you know, the other portion of the uh, you know the fertilizer that you need. So um, that's you know, um, I guess one strategy you know, to work around with this, you know, the uh, skyrocketing, you know, the uh, um, input prices. And um, and for the fuels, right, so for fuels, you know, the diesel prices, for instance, we do have some uh, futures contracts that can help us to manage this risk. We have the, uh, um, actually the diesel futures contract and also the oil futures contract. So those can also be used, but I guess, you know, the uh, um, the cost of you know doing this type of risk management is high it's not like you know um managing the uh, crop price risk the elevators they offer you know those contract that you know mimics the behavior of the uh, you know futures you know hedging but with you know um like you know managing this you know hedging the Uh, fuel price risk, you have to do that yourself through, you know, brokers, not through the elevators. And that would be, you know, require quite a bit of work compared to, you know, working with your local elevator.
2: Shelly, what is something you wish every farmer understood about risk management?
1: Um, So, uh, so I think, you know, that, um, so number one is, you know, I guess, have a very solid understanding of your production cost and know what price you need to sell to cover your production cost. And every marketing plan should start with a careful, you know, just a you know um, spreadsheet to lay out all the cost items and set your goal to figure out, you know, I need to sell at this price to cover everything and so that's number one and number two is um, do not you know trace high prices and everyone wants to sell at the highest price possible but that's not feasible and always know just stick to your marketing plan and sell at a price that would you know make your you know um, business, you know, operation profitable, you know, maybe, you know, not the highest profitability possible, but make sure that you can be economically sustainable in the long run and also in the short run.
2: And, and with that, uh, shall we, can you also talk just a little bit about why risk management is such an important thing to daily operations on the farm?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so sure. So um, that's, you know, um, I think, you know, um, a lot of producers, they uh, try very hard, you know, to maximize the yield, you know, managing, you know, the water, everything. Right. So but I think, you know, an important part that's, you know, very critical to every producer is be able to. uh, break even to make, you know, your oil production worthwhile so that you can um, feed your family, you know, pay off the farm loans, everything. So that's, you know, depends on having a, you know, be able to sell at a good price. So uh, managing the price risk is probably, you know, I think, you know, I heard from some producers that you know, probably place, you know, it's like uh, in terms of importance is, you know, 50% of your, you know, the, uh, Um, the sustainability of your farm, because that determines whether you can pay all your bills. And also, you know, because the prices have been becoming so volatile over the past, you know, like um, two or three years. And I think, you know, I was looking just at some some prices. I think, you know, one year ago, around this time, the Chicago wheat was like $12, but now it's like $6. Right, so no one knows, you know, the price has, will go down by $6. So if you, you know, have sold, you know, back then, you know, in the last year around this time, you will be able to secure a much higher price compared to, you know, the price today. So so we cannot um, control what the price will be, but we can take actions to mitigate the potential losses because of this, you know, price movements.
0: How do you use participation in federal farm programs, crop insurance, conservation programs, etc. as a tool in managing risk?
1: Mm-hmm. yeah so um i will just uh, you know go to uh, the crop insurance right so crop insurance you can have you know the revenue protection you know the yield protection so a lot of times that when we design a marketing plan we want to work the marketing plan with your crop insurance you know decisions so um the crop insurance that you know usually um you will insure maybe you know like uh, 50 or 70 percent of your, you know, the APH, you know, that's the average, you know, the production history, the yield over the past few years. So you will try to ensure, you know, that you have this, you know, the crop insurance that in terms of, in case that price declines too much, the crop insurance will have the payment, but then you can use those, you know, the futures price, there's no risk management tools to help, you know, hit your production, um, you know, your price target. So a lot of times this, you know, crop insurance does not necessarily able to cover all your production cost. So the revenue production is based on the yield multiplied by the price, right? So if, you know, the yield is too low or the price is too low, right? So that's, you know, um, can work, you know, in different ways. So uh, having that, you know, the uh, crop insurance will provide you know, some minimum protection, but to really, you know, um, have a to really you know, be able to cover all your production costs or hit your price target. You need to have a you know some risk management tools to improve you know um, upon this you no know, minimum la- layer protection that's offered by the uh, federal programs. And I think you know this, you know in terms of the uh, you know the uh, PLC right. So that's the uh, um, some other you know commodity programs. Uh, with the uh, um, farm bill program that's you know, in place this year, so we don't know exactly what it will be, but there's a lot of uh, complaints that the, those you know, reference price level are set too low. It's not reflecting, you know, the uh, um, this you know, the inflation or the price hike over the past few years. So having, you know, make sure to you know work with your um, with your uh, make sure that your marketing plan. Right. So to work well with your existing, you know, the crop insurance programs and other federal program. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All right. Thank you. Ryan, did you have more questions?
2: Um, I, I don't. Anybody participating? Uh, any questions or comments from those joining the, from the field today?
0: First, are listening to this um, podcast or episode here and decide, hey, I'd really like to learn more about this topic. Um, What are some resources that they can use? Is there
1: classes to take? Is there publications that are available currently? What can they do to, to learn more? Yes, so that's an excellent question. Thanks, Jill. So um, at the UFI extension, so we do have, you know, some um, videos that's, you know, um, I think, you know, recorded by um, Brett Wilder that was made a few years ago about managing, you know, commodity price risks using, you know, futures um, contracts. And I'm also in the process of, you know, developing some, um, just a few, you know, flyers and also a few, you know, short articles about, you know, how to uh, write your own marketing plan and, you know, uh, and also the study I mentioned to Ryan that's, you know, comparing the uh, hedging outcomes of different you know, strategies. Mm-hmm. And we also, um, together with some of my colleagues here, including, you know, Pat, who is on the uh, um, you know, this episode today here, you know, in the audience, you know, we actually have a grant that's um, from the USDA looking into at, you know, what strategy worked, you know, for the producers in the Pacific Northwest region. And we're trying to, you know, um, to survey, you know, do a survey of all the growers and see, you know, what their market strategies are and see, you know, which one worked best. And along with that project, we will develop. You know, we will have a um, dedicated you know web page that's on the UFI extension to um, include all those you know videos and all the um, courses and you know any publications that um, that you know, growers or um, anyone else can access. You know, um, just with one click of the you know button on their website.
0: Mm. All right. Well, thank you, Shelley. Do, do you have any last words for us? Um, I think the biggest takeaway that I got from this was don't chase high prices and stick to your marketing plan, but if you have <laughs> little last pearls of wisdom?
1: Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, again, you know, it's, uh, as you said, it's hard to chase a price, right? But, um, so I would say, you know, the market is very, very volatile. And we have seen, you know, recently, and it's important to have a um, marketing plan in place, either pre-harvest or post-harvest, and just try to stick to your plan, be disciplined.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank thank you to everyone who was able to tune into this episode. If you would like to reference back to this episode in the future or share it with someone else, a uh, neighbor, friend, family member, what, whatever, we will have the video recording posted to our YouTube channel and the audio recording posted to our podcast platform. Both of those are just, can be found at just Idaho Wheat if you um, search for that on YouTube and then any anywhere that you like to get your podcasts from. So we are available. Um, and you can join us again next month in July. We will have two episodes. The first one coming up the soonest is with Dustin Young from the Idaho Grain Inspection Service. And he will just be talking to us a little bit about why, um, what they do at the Idaho Grain Inspection Service and how you utilizing their services will increase your profitability. So go ahead and watch our social media and our newsletter for information on that. And we will see you back here next month. Thanks so much.
1: Yeah, thank you, Brittany.